Tom, say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Good day. Are you ever going to stop saying that joke? Hello, everyone is a thing people say. That's normal. <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. <laughs> I'm here to um, So, yeah, this is your favorite show about video games. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, we are at Player1Sin on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also check out uh, the podcast version of this show on with uh, and on Player One on on the uh, Apple Podcast, Google Google Podcast, and Spotify. Uh, coming up, we've got some pretty cool stuff. We've got some news and releases. We're going to be talking about what we've been playing. Uh, we're going to be talking about co-op games and if we want more of them and. We're going to be talking about some other stuff. So yeah, get get uh, get very excited. So first, we have a few songs. The first song is "The Man Who Sold the World" by Midge Ure. I think that's how you say it. And after that, we have "Francesca" by The Murlocs, which is from the Sweet Sixteen playlist, which you can listen to on sin.org.au. That was Francesca by the Murlocs. And before that, you heard The Man Who Sold the World by Midjury. Uh, that song was in Metal Gear Solid 5, Friends. And boy, did I play a lot of Metal Gear Solid 5. Actually, fun fact about Metal Gear Solid 5. On your birthday, uh, if you like enter your birthday correctly in the game and then turn it on, they have a birthday party for you on Mother Base and Ocelot gives you a cigar. I'm uh, that is a fun it. fact. That's a very fun fact. I'm gonna go I'm really pretty cool. I'm gonna go play some Metal Gear Solid now. It's radio. <laughs> All right. Well, you're listening to Player One on Sin. Um, and guys, we are about to jump into some rapid fire news. Uh, and because I am the rapid fire news decider, I decide that Nathan will be reading it tonight. Nathan, okay. Are you feeling pumped? Yes, I can do this. <laughs> um, the first news is it takes two sells over one million copies. Um. Yeah. Uh, both Apex creator Respawn and Oculus Studios won an Oscar after co-producing a short documentary included in Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. This marks the first time a video game company has won an Oscar, which is pretty cool. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone players are asking for the original Gulag Mac to return, which I have no idea about because Call of Duty is bad. <laughs> Uh, Steady Project Red says it's learned a huge lesson from the launch of Cyberpunk. 
Uh, Call of Duty Warzone's director has stated that the original Gulag map is gone and it's not coming back. Mm. Uh, Sony is trying to in- Sony is trying to increase uh, PS5 supply. Hopefully they do because I can't find one anywhere and I want one. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 sold 13.7 million copies in a month. And according to PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan, the PS5 generation will have more dedicated software than ever before. So in other words, it might have more exclusives than the PS1 to PS4. Um, honestly, I, I, I'm going to take that with a pinch of salt because, you know, um, you know, executives at um, video game companies are always trying to hype up their console and saying stuff like this, you know, saying, oh, it's going to have more you know, more dedicated more numbers. stuff than ever. Just more numbers. They just say big numbers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I think we can take this with a grain of salt. I so just, now the new... I just want to oh, say yes. that Hideo Kojima is very disappointed that he wasn't in the first video game company to have ever won an Oscar, or that it wasn't his company, because he thinks he's making films. <laughs> he will one day. He will one day, I swear by it. Um, so yeah, now the new releases. Uh, take it away, Zach. All right. So first of all, we have the Colonists coming to PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and Switch May fourth. Uh, Dark Knights with Poe and Monroe on PS Four and Xbox One May fourth. Uh, Demio coming to P- uh, PC VR on May sixth. Uh, High Rises coming to PC May sixth. Blazing Beaks coming to PS Four and Xbox One May seventh. The Invisible Hand coming to PC May 7th. Uh, I'd say the big one for this week, Resident Evil 8 Village coming to PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and the obligatory Stadia release on May Ding-ding. 7th. And Hood Outlaws and Legends coming to PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, and Xbox One on May 10th. Again, I think Resident Evil 8 is probably the big one from that list. Would you guys agree? Yeah, probably. Oh, definitely. Are you in very into Resident Evil, Tom? I I find it it's resident good, in fact, I would say. You know, it's a, <laughs> a little play on words we have there. Oh god, that's that's bad. A lot of play so on words. Bad. That's just words, my man. That's just words. <laughs> uh, uh, word sandwich. But no, the fans yes. of horror can get very it, excited for that one. And you, you know what, you know what, you could do with a sandwich. You can throw it on the ground, and and that's kind of you know important because our next song is called "Threw It on the Ground" by the Lonely Island. You just listened to "Cheap Red" by Boat Show. Boats are great; they drive. Let's drive on into the next part. This whole week, we're gamers. We play games, but what <laughs> games really? I, I want to know what games you guys are playing. I like. I like them. I like to play them, so maybe I'll find out some new stuff. Beck, what, what have you been playing this week? Dude, I'm still, like, investing my time in Monster Crown, trying to get a grip on this whole pact and creature-related thing. If you guys caught last week's episode, you'll know that Monster Crown is a monster-taming game like Pokemon, where you give monsters little um, contracts instead of orbs or digivices or whatever they do in digimon but anyway once <laughs> the game series well actually it's one game um i don't know where i was going with this anymore look there is like a like a zombie class of monster 
So mm. I'm getting really into that conceptually. And my like starter monster, he looks like a little guy with a scythe. There are kings in this game too, which probably makes it important. I have nothing else to say. On to you, Nathan. I haven't really been playing much because um, I haven't really had a table to set up my lap- uh, gaming laptop at. Yes, I use a gaming laptop. Don't, 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 like, don't say anything. Gaming <laughs> anyway. Anything. Because like, if, if you're gaming with it, that's the key part. That's what we like. Yeah, I Game away, brother. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing a bit of Minecraft, a bit more Minecraft. I love Minecraft. Um, I actually just bought two new games that were um, pre-owned games. I bought uh, Just Cause 3 and um, and uh, oh, Dishonored because I never actually played Dishonored. So I'm going to try playing it and seeing if I can uh, get a good an- ending instead of all the bad endings. You got this. What do you got, Zach? Uh, I, ever late to the party, have been playing God of War from three years ago. Um, also, the first God of War game I've played, uh, and I'm actually I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I'm, I mean, I've seen people play some of the other ones, uh, one, two, and three. Never quite looked like my thing. Lean a little too much into the edginess for me, um, which is also kind of ironic because I study Greek mythology. You'd think I'd be into the Greek ones, but... <laughs> No, no, okay, they, no, they don't look that great in my opinion, but so far I'm really enjoying, uh, I'm just going to call it God of War 4 because otherwise names get confusing. Um, I've really been enjoying God of War 4. I think the combat can be a little awkward. It feels like the sort of game that should have a behind-the-back camera rather than over-the-shoulder one. Like, it has the same sort of camera setup as something like Uncharted because it's totally trying to be something like Uncharted with the whole story emphasis and things like that, but it kind of... It works for a game that's a shooter. Doesn't really feel like it works that well for a third-person character action game. You know, I'm used to something like, for example, like the Zelda games or Bloodborne, where your character is always in front, front and center. It's easy to see what's going on. But other than that, I'm really enjoying it so far. I haven't put much time into it yet. Uh, I'm hoping to finish it off sometime within the next couple of weeks. But yeah, solid time. I can see why people liked it. It's a good game. Thumbs up. Two even. yeah, I always loved the God of War games. I used to play them as a kid, and yes, I know I probably shouldn't have been playing God of War as a kid because it has a lot of blood, but it was a- always a lot of fun, and I always got a bit uh, frustrated when I kept dying and dying and dying over and over again. I have died <laughs> multiple times. It's been great. I would uh, recommend you, Tom, What about you? What have you been playing? Well, I... Oh, ooh. Okay, well, we've been playing a few games this week. Uh, I've been investing a lot of time and in getting back into some VR. And with Resident Evil 8 coming out in Village in mind, I've been playing too much Phasmophobia for my own good. Uh, it doesn't help with sleeping, really. So I have a lot more free time on my hands. Uh, and oh, I've been God. playing a lot of Alien Isolation again, one of my favorite games of all time. And in VR with the VR mod, oh, it is... Um, <laughs> It's really something. It's it's quite it's quite intense, but of course I had to get back into some Resident Evil Seven. There's parts in that game where you like get scared and whoa. I'm in those parts. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, intense. Yeah, no, I've never been a I've never been a big horror person. Correct me if I'm wrong. Phasmophobia well, is the one about ghost hunting, yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You, you may have noticed in my games there's a theme of horror. Yes, theme. I take it you like being scared. 
That was Don't Waste Your Love by Boo Seeker and Golding uh, from the Sweet 16 on uh, the Sunday Sweets show on Sin. Um, you're listening to Player One on Sin. And um, speaking of love and not wasting love, um, we're talking about uh, It Takes Two and um, Co-op Focused Games. So if you don't know It Takes Two, it's this co-op game where you're these two parents of this kid and uh, both the parents are kind of not happy with each other and they're wanting a divorce and then you go through the game and through the game you're learning to work together and kind of fixing all your problems of the marriage, I guess. (laughs) Did I, like, did I get it right or? That's about it. That's about it. Um, so yeah, so do we think that we want to see more co-op focused games or is it like a dead genre? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, these things, like they had a real moment, didn't they? Cause I remember, I think it was like towards the end of the two thousands and in the early half of the 2010s, for some reason there was a big influx of co-op games. And I think that was a bit before like, you know, I don't know. I, I I guess it was before like the big everybody was just like had super good internet all the time and there was still a market for maybe things that you could play with your friends in the same room sometimes. But um I remember like the clearest example of this, although it was internet co-op, was um Fear 3 being like inexplicably a co-op game for some reason, whereas the first two Fear games are just single player shooter games, but for some reason you know, um, to piggyback off that trend, Fear 3 had to have this, like, co-op campaign. And, like, I do remember, like, being um, well, being someone who played Fear 3 and a lot of those games, like, with another person, with a friend or, like, a like a, like boyfriend or something like that. And I do remember that that was, like, a good experience. But having said that, depending on, like, a singular other person to cooperate well with you and get through an entire game can also be kind of taxing. So I'm not sure if we will see that come back to the same extent. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think it'll be to the same extent. Like I think also, you know, it doesn't really have to be in the same house co-op. Like you could like kind of be chatting and like have someone like even on the other side of the world and do co-op with them. I think that would be interesting. But I think games like this, like It Takes Two and, like, um, Tales of Two Sons and uh, all those other co-op games, I think they're very uh, sweet and very cute. Um, but yeah, I do I do agree with Beck, though, that logistically a game who, like, the sole focus of it is co-op just doesn't seem as feasible now as it used to. Like, I just... I don't see people meeting up as often to play games that are purely co-op focused. I think co-op modes are very important and do definitely still have a place. Uh, unfortunately, I also think we've been seeing those kind of die out a little bit as well. The series that I turn to as probably the best example is um, Super Smash Brothers, which has slowly had its co-op, like local co-op, other than like the, com- like the local competitive stuff is still a thing, but the local co-op modes have slowly, slowly dwindled down from Brawl's massive eight-hour co- campaign you could play co-op to basically nothing in Ultimate. Um, so, yeah, I think those are dying, and that does make me kind of sad because there's something about playing a game with people in the same room. What do you think, Tom? I think I want to call back to childhood and all the children who are out there. Uh, hey, kids, you're cool. 
I my fondest memories of gaming uh when I look back on New Year's Eve of like 2010 with my now roommate like close friend Jay we played Little Big Planet till like midnight or like three in the morning it was so much fun and I think something like that is an important experience to maintain in video games where we're not solely looking at games that we can play on a regular basis and sit down and just you know vibe out at home but something where hey you have guests coming over oh, let's boot up the playstation and let's boot up the pc and get out the controls and have fun together and share this experience together rather than just looking at it like oh you know why put co-op in a game maybe a game that is meant to be something like that and there's still stuff like overcooked uh, mm. And lovers in space time. I, I love playing that with my partner. It's just like all those experiences can be made, but with the intention is where it should be made. Yeah. Like I think it's yeah. odd because you mentioned kids and they are great for kids. It's just weird that I feel like a lot of the co op games that we've seen, the purely co op ones, are very like they have very mature themes. The ones that I think of are A Way Out, um, which was about a prison break, Brothers, which I think is about grief. Um, it's very odd. Speaking of grief, death. Uh, the next song we've got coming up is The Dying Song by Montaigne. A little bit of a language warning for this one. It does have some naughty words. So maybe you put the kids away for the next couple of minutes and then come right back. Layer one, your favorite video game talk show where we talk about video games. Now, friends, I was just listening to my very favorite song, uh, track three from the Sonic Arcade 1996 soundtrack, Sonic Electronic. And I was thinking about how underrated that is as a video game opening soundtrack. Um, shout out to the soundtrack also from Kirby Superstar, even though that's not particularly underrated. I think it's a good one. Love that, Kirby. Love uh, the extended version of Coca Cave. Anyway, friends. What do you think about music? Do you listen to it with your ears? Do you listen to it with your nose? What are your favorite video game soundtracks? Um, so I actually have no idea about this. I don't really usually listen to soundtracks that closely. Like the ones I really like are probably the Assassin's Creed soundtracks, um, especially the um, the uh, sea shanties in Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. They are amazing. Uh, the Pikmin soundtrack is good, and Hollow Knight soundtrack, they're good as well. Um, but, yeah, like, it's very hard. Like, you know, you could always say, like, the really famous ones, like the Halo soundtrack is amazing, but, like, that's not really underrated. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, uh, to someone's... Find, it's, hard, it's hard to find good soundtracks that aren't talked about really widely, because I feel like whenever a game has a really good soundtrack, people, like, people know it. When a game doesn't have that, it kind of, the soundtrack just doesn't come up in conversation. Uh, one game that I don't think its soundtrack is specifically that amazing, but I do think it suits the game really well. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, Zelda games have typically had pretty well-known, like, catchy themes. Breath of the Wild does away with that entirely, except for, like, one area. Hyrule Castle has music. Everything else is pretty much kind of just ambient piano tunes. And those piano tunes are amazing to study to. So I'm going to consider that an amazing soundtrack that no one talks about because it's not really an integral part of the game, but it's still a great track nonetheless. And it suits the environment and the game so, so well. That's an 
Outstanding point. I, I like I love piano pieces. Uh Pokemon really comes to mind when songs mm-hmm. have been composed and turned into piano. Specifically, Generation 5, I think, is probably extremely underrated and the best generation ever. And if you argue with me, then find me. And we can have a polite discussion about it over some coffee, maybe. And I, honestly, Nathan, I was very impressed. Hollow Knight and Pikmin, great soundtracks. I, I feel I remember our producer, Jacob, talking about that at one point. Um, just like the Untitled Goose Game. Oof, great. A, a gem, great. yeah. And um, a great Absolutely. soundtrack, too, in that. I'm really I'm a big fan of video games with like soundtracks that get noticed like Terraria and um, Donkey mm. Kong Country have been coming out a bunch in the meme scene and I just I just love jamming out sometimes I get that stuck in my head that Donkey Kong theme and I'm just like I'm I just I'll just as long as it's not the it. Donkey Kong rap no it is not that <laughs> which is extremely overrated in my opinion I agree yes I think one one game that's not overrated Minecraft. And I'm not talking any of that C418 business, by the way. I know there's some harsh words coming out here. But I'm talking about Pig Step uh, as it's arranged by <laughs> Insane in the Rain Music and Lena Rain. Uh, that's coming up next. You just listen to Into the Universe by Holiday Sad Wonder. This is top of the hour on Sin. We were just talking about our favorite video game soundtracks and how some of them are just a little bit underrated. Chris Larkin wrote the Hollow Knight one and Dan Golden was the Untitled Goose Game soundtrack. That's both of those fantastic people have been interviewed here on Player One and Sin. Make sure to check them out online. As well, I'm here with Beck, Zach, and Nathan. We're just talking about games and gaming gamers. Make sure to check us out at that Player One on Sin. On Twitter, Instagram, Player One as well on Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm really excited for the rest of the show. We got some great stuff coming up. We got Jacob's special quiz. We're going to be talking a little bit about Friday Night Funkin'. And then the Oscars. Mm. Thank you all for tuning in. I can't wait for the rest of the show. Coming up next, we got Dire Dire Ducks. It's a cover by the 8-Bit Big Band featuring Charlie Rosen. And then the song after that is Get Forward by Golden Vessel. That's on Sin Sweet 16. You can check that out on Sin.org with the rest of the Sweet 16 this week. This is Tom, and you're listening to Player One on Sin. Welcome back to Player One on Sin. You just heard Get Forward by Golden Vessel, part about Sweet 16. Check it out every week, Sin.org.au, or on the Sweet 16 show. You might just find a uh, sweet Sunday show, even. You might just find your new favorite song. And of course, it's that time of the week. It's, um, by the sounds of it, Tom's favorite time of the week. You didn't hear him just before we went on. He got very excited about the quiz. So we're just going to go straight in. We're going to again explain the rules. I'll ask a question. Each of our contestants will buzz in with their name. They'll give it a chance to answer the question correctly. Uh, if they do, they get a point. If they don't, well, too bad. Um, so without further ado, we're going to dive into it if everyone's confident and ready. Not confident, definitely ready. <laughs> you know, too confident and ready. It's a bit of an interesting week this week. So I am I'm the two-time reigning champion. Ooh, two time. Ready to that's, lose that's, again. That's something. All right, so we're going to go straight in. Simple, really simple question. Who wields the buster sword? Zach. Uh, Nathan. <laughs> Zach. Uh, Cloud. 
cloud, yes. For a second, I almost said shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, off the back of that, though, it want, in what uh, game franchise is Traverse Town fra- uh, found? Zach. Zach. Kingdom Hearts. All right, moving on a little bit. Beck, you might have a bit of, bit of a better chance than others here. In Metal Gear Solid, how do you stop the boss, uh, Psycho Mantis, from reading Snake's mind? Nathan. Uh, Nathan. Uh, you move your controller to the other slot. Yes. Fascinating boss battle. Bit of a fun one. When was Cyberpunk announced? What year and month, um, if possible? Oh, Tom? Back. Yeah. Tom, do you know the uh, month? Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Uh, I know it was 2013. Uh, and the month, let's just say June. So you were wrong on both. Look, I have um, Zach. There's a door. <laughs> Zach. Uh, Zach, give us a shot. Uh, 2014 May. I will give you half a point. You were the first one to get the month. All right. That's the harder part, though. <laughs> All right. Nathan Beck, take a shot at the year. Uh, 2012. Yeah, there you go. Half a point to um, Zach, half a point to Nathan. I believe we're um, running two and a half to one and a half right now. This will be interesting. Bit of a one, bit of a different one. What rating did IGN give The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword? Zach. Zach. 10 out of 10 for some reason. Yep. It's I have very of, mixed feelings about that. It's one of about 30 games in their entire library that they've given 10 out of 10. And speaking of IGN and 10 out of 10, can you guys name two other games that got IGN's coveted 10 out of 10? Tom? <laughs> um, Breath of the Wild. Yes. And uh, The Witcher 3 or Wild Hunt. No, The Witcher 3 didn't get 10 out of 10. Oh. Zach. Zach. Can I just use Breath of the Wild again? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say oh, no. no. All right. That makes this a lot harder because I was just hoping to guess a random game. Uh, let's go with. Uh... Oh, God. Um, what are two very popular. Uh, Ocarina of Time? Yep. All right. I'm just going to go with Majora's Mask. No. That's. As a hint for the last two people here, that's all the Zelda games. Okay. Back, Nathan. Uh, uh, I have no idea. Back, any shot in the dark? I don't really don't know. I'm not a big IGN person since that Pokemon too much water thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. As to, I'm just going to read off a couple that got the 10 out of 10. Spelunky 2, Crusader Kings 3, Flight Sim 2020, uh, Last of Us Part 2, Persona 5 Royal, Half-Life Alex, God of War Celeste, Undertale, uh, MGS 5, uh, and MGS 4. Wow. Wow. Wait. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Pokemon Red and Blue, GTA 4 and 5. Bit of an interesting run. Even Pac-Man Champion Edition. Um, Ooh, DX. no, that one deserves it. That deserves it more than Skyward Sword. I mean, Pokemon Red and Blue weren't that 
Grand Theft Auto Five. Did you say? I don't know why they did. That's a very, that's a very like. Oh, we just love nostalgia. They barely functioned as games. They do barely function, but breaking them is fun. Mm. Agreed. Speaking of fun, as of April two thousand and twenty-one, how many champions are there in League of Legends? Tom. Uh, Tom. Uh, Hundred and twenty. Nope. Mm, Zach. Zach. Seventy-four. Nope. Nathan Beck. Throw a number in the dark. Uh, Two hundred and thirty-four. I haven't played League since twenty fifteen or sixteen. It, it's it's much less. Uh, I'm gonna say the most hallowed number, sixty-nine. It is I, Jay. I've been checking in and out of the episode. If you want to see, check the podcast version. I actually jump in between the breaks and talk. But it's 155 champions, and I don't get the point because I'm not playing. But it's 155, and I know this because I play it every day. No, it's 155, actually. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh. That's a lot more than I thought. Moving away from League of Legends, though, where was the new Mortal Kombat movie filmed? Tom. Tom. And then on a mate. Yes, it was. Uh, in Adelaide, of all places. Bit of fun there. Moving into years, though. What year was the first Nintendo DS released? Beck. Beck? 2006. No. Tom. Tom? 2005. Yes, ding, ding, ding. And last question, uh, I think them. I don't think there's a catch up here. I think Zach might have walked away with this again. I think that half point saved me. Uh, but <laughs> in the game Shadow of the Colossus, how many colossi are there? Nathan. Nathan. Six. No. Zach. Zach. Seventeen. Closer. Tom Beck. 12? 13? No, no, there are 16 Colossi. And I believe that brings Zach to the winning total this week. Another win. He's our champion. But we're not going to really sit on that. We're going to go to Shadow of the Colossus and really hope that somebody's got some sort of revived power they can bring to uh, overthrow him. That was Why Won't You Wait by Tora, part of the Sweet 16 playlist from the show Sunday Sweets here on Sin. Please listen in if you like music. Uh, but if you like video games, continue to listen to this show, Player One. And we are, we're just going to move into some interesting discussion here. So uh, Friday Night Funkin' uh, is being made into a full released game after... It exploded in funky popularity. Uh, What this tells me, rather than people are ready for a new ground survival, is that the world is almost ready for the return of Parappa the Rapper. Um, Personally, I enjoy seeing rhythm games explode in popularity because one day I dream of being any good at Dance Dance Revolution and not being kicked off the machine by teenagers with much more skill and talent than I will ever have. Um, So we're going to just chat about crowdfunding games. Like, I want to know what you guys think about crowdfunding and games. And before I throw off to the next person, I just want to say... 
isn't everyone still disappointed in Mighty Number no. Nine? Yes. Yes. Mm. That is um, a fair assessment. Um, can I start? Um, I I want to say I both love and hate um, crowdfunded games because I think that like. You know, you can get some really amazing ideas that, like, you know, wouldn't really be, you know, funded by big studios out by crowdfunding. But also, on the other hand, there are so many of these really bad, you know, stories, these horror stories where, you know, people have put, you know, a lot of their money and a lot of their time into these crowdfunded games and, like, either they haven't actually been made or the games that eventually come out are absolutely, you know, garbage. Yeah. I, I did some research into crowdfunded games a few years ago for uh, well, last year, I think for um, an article that I wrote. And it's very interesting to see, you notice very distinct patterns. Most of the really bad crowdfunded games, you just don't hear about. They don't get released. The ones that you do hear about that are bad are usually parts of, or revivals of a big sort of franchise. The two that immediately come to mind are Mighty Number no. 9, which was meant to be a continuation of Mega Man, kind of, uh, and Shenmue 3, which is, I think, as far as I know, the most backed uh, video game ever, I think. Um, not the highest backed Kickstarter, I believe that goes to um, Exploited Kittens. But Shenmue 3 uh, was had a huge amount of support, a lot of hype behind that game, because the first two games were pretty big, I would say cult classics, but there was, they had a large following. Then the third one came out and nobody was really happy with it. It took forever to come out. By the time it did, hype had basically died. It didn't appeal to fans. It didn't create any new fans. It just ended up being a disappointment. And that's, I feel like, what you're kind of setting yourself up for with a crowdfunding game a lot of the time. Just generic disappointment because... Yeah, you get those breakout hits. You get, you know, your shovel nights. You get your... um. Uh, God, I've completely forgotten a bunch of the others, but you get your shovel nights. Um, but you just get a lot that doesn't really have much of an impact, I feel like. Mm. Or not a good yeah. impact, at least. And, you know, I think a lot of the problem with it on as a whole in the gaming industry is, like, too much hype. You know, if yeah. you put too much hype into anything, you can get very easily disappointed. If we didn't put so much hype into things, I think we'd be a lot happier with the games that we do get. I agree. Our industry is very hype-based. And look, to be fair, crowdfunding is great. It sets up a lot of opportunities for smaller developers to get funding, for people to fund projects that they particularly want to see. It has a lot of advantages. I just think it is a victim of that hype more than anything. Another great example of something killed by hype, look at something like the Ouya. That was hyped to hell and back. And then that came out and... Who uses Anuya? Does it even exist anymore? Yeah. I have forgotten what that is already. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was like an Apple TV game thing. Oh, Just- yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I love crowdfunded games. You know, you got fantastic classics like Fast and Light and Darkest Dungeon and Star Citizen. When it releases, 
<laughs> hey, don't, hey, don't get your hype up. Don't get the hype up. I um, I love, I love just waiting. You know, I love sitting back and just watching this stuff come out. Uh, it's good for developers to have that kind of platform that they they might need sometimes. But I mean, as a consumer, it is a risky market to feel like I want to invest my money into. And some days I just wake up and I'm like, Ugh. but Ugh, is uh the name of our next song from Friday Night Funking, and after that. After that is Miami Drive by Tim Air. Uh, from Friday Night Funkin', you're listening to Play One on Sin with Zach, Beck, Tom, and Nathan. So, the Oscars were this week, uh, and they had an all-time low v- viewership of under 10 million people, which is significantly less than the 2020 Game Awards' 83 million viewers. This is a huge shift in sort of cultural relevancy, I guess, Uh, We're seeing the Oscars, one of the most prestigious just awards ever, score lower, like get significantly lower viewership than, you know, the Game Awards, which, I mean, they have prestige and they're desperately trying to be the Oscars, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, Do you think that this is starting to indicate people caring more about video games than movies nowadays? What are your thoughts on this? One thing I think, um, sorry. No, you go. Um, so one thing I think is maybe, um, I think the Oscars have maybe lost some of their, their credibility, I guess, because like a lot of really amazing movies have been snubbed by them for other movies, I guess. At least that's how I feel sometimes. Um, but also I think, you know, because video games are such a big part of everyone's lives nowadays, especially since the whole pandemic, I think that, you know, more people are very, you know, into and very, you know, worried about video games, I guess. As someone who's very involved with uh, filmmaking and, like, film uh, as a whole, I I was very curious by this question. The Oscars are, like, often shunned by most filmmakers as, like, highly... Uh, bias and not really relevant to what uh, is popular in the media, but as well as being a fairly based (laughs) awards show. I'm not going to get into the complexities of that. But video games as a whole as well, uh, the awards like the the Game Awards have mm, multiple announcements. I was going to say hundreds, but it's probably 50 or so announcements to come out with them. Shows that yeah. you watch not just for the awards, but for like the things that will be coming out. And I've just done some research before the show. Film, there are 48 movies uh, that have gotten grossed over a billion dollars, whereas there are only 32 games that have done that. And only one of them is a console game, actually. The rest are all mobile. Oh. And that the console that game makes... is That's... Fortnite. So <laughs> think of that. Yeah. As you will, yeah. yeah. Like, I think this ties into what we're talking about when we're talking about hype culture with gaming. The Game Awards build themselves around having hype culture more so than the Oscars. The Oscars build themselves around being classy and sophisticated. And I think what you said about announcements, Tom, is very much significant because I don't watch, I don't care what your game is considered game of the year. I already know what my favorite game is. I want to see the new games people make. What do you think, Beck? I want to say, like, okay, I think that I agree with you about the increase in importance that video games are having and how we're all starting to have our priorities shift when it comes to the kind of media we consume. 
uh, nerd culture as a whole has really had a, I want to say, a sort of a renaissance in modern times over the last like 10 plus years. And now um, things like video games or something that just everybody plays, not everybody, you know, a lot of people. Um, but I'm not sure that this is the best year for a comparison because in terms of like Oscars and interest in the Oscars, it's not like it's been the last 12 months have been fantastic for films. I mean, yeah. just because of the situation that we've all found ourselves in, and it makes it very hard to be working on and going through the release cycle of films, obviously for games as well, but obviously there's some differences there which might make one a bit easier to move past the hurdles of than another. Um, I'd be curious to see if this trend continues in, um, in like following times, because I really do think that video games, like, you know, I think video games are now being seen as more accessible by the public as a whole than they would have been maybe like 15 years ago. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. We're always having this argument with film. We're like, academic, is film dead? Has Netflix killed film? What is film? Has Disney killed film? Um, debate. And I just I just don't know. I get that this fits the narrative, but I just don't know if this is truly representative. And speaking of truly representative, um, oftentimes when I think about films or games, I am prone to cry. And just like Sonic Hedgehog, uh, season two, episode 10, Cry of the Wolf. Uh, there is crying involved in crying. And therefore, oh, our next song is Smiles and Tears from Earthbound. Because even though I'm crying and thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, season two, episode 10. You just listened to Doom, BFG Division by Mick Gordon, Australia's own. Speaking of Australia, there's this little university based right next to Melbourne Central, the heart of the city. RMIT is lucky to have its gaming space open back up on Monday. Uh, I'm very fortunate to know this as I'm the president of the club. And this club, you might be asking, has Tuesdays and Thursdays free pizza night, whole gaming lounge, some giveaways. Make sure to come on down, check out the RMIT Esports and Games Club if you want to get involved with that. This, this has been a great show, hasn't it? It has. Yes. yes. It has. I think um, I think we've had a good time and we've uh, we've learned a lot. We've um, we've continued to exist in the same space, and I only mentioned Sonic the Hedgehog eighty-seven times. I also would like to mention, in the same breath as Sonic the Hedgehog, our socials. Uh, please check out at Player One Sin on Twitter and Instagram. Player One on Omni slash Apple Podcasts or Google Podcast or Spotify, if that's the kind of person that you are, um, please continue to listen because our next show is Nervous Nellies and that's a very fun electronic-ish music show. Any final messages from the rest of you guys? Uh, I just want to say that I am still the reigning champion of the quiz and that is all that matters to me and it's the only reason I do this show and I will never, <laughs> never let you take that crown. I'm going to regret this next week. <laughs> no, it's been a very fun show, everyone. Very much enjoyed it. Um, yeah, this has been lots of fun. I look forward to next week. Everything is awesome. And you've been listening to Play One on Sin. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. <laughs> oh god. <laughs>